How you doing, Joe? You all right? Good. No, I'm fine. I'm looking to see. Oh, <laughs> look to see what flavor this one. This is tangerine. Mm. That's that's my it's favorite not, flavor. It's good. Cause it, it you know what? There's, there's a little bit of bite to it, like like almost like a beer. Mm. So, when I drink oh, it, man. I'm kind of like I can fool myself. <laughs> I like that it. I, mean, I, mean, I just I just like close my eyes and pretend to feel drunk. Well, you you also. You know, to be fair, uh, a fair a fair amount of the beers you drink are, are of low quality. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's a, it's not like a good beer. The tangerine's not like a good beer. Right. It's it's yeah. Right. Right. It's like a really low level domestic yeah. beer a, bite. A slightly fruity like old style or something. It's really turned into a Lacroix slam out of nowhere. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying I'm all about it. I, I love it. It's just, it's it's my. Uh, so my one of my cousins uh, used to drink a case of beer a day, and um, when he quit drinking, he uh, started drinking a case of Diet Dr Pepper a day. Oh, Jesus! And I went, I don't know if that's better. I don't know. Like maybe, <laughs> like maybe just. Ugh, what's worse? That's, maybe he's just lo- addicted to carbonation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. You know, it's been a long time since I've seen him. Maybe he's drinking LaCroix now. Maybe he's drinking the tangerine. Low sugar. Yeah, if no. not, I'm going to recommend it to him right now. Because he definitely listens to a a very niche pacer <laughs> podcast. Well, there's no sugar in a Diet Dr. Pepper. It's true. true. There's, it's, uh, it's there's no the, sugar in Diet Dr. Pepper? Right. It's the diet. They Correct. use the, like, the artificial fake, the stuff. Oh, yeah. for sure. So he's just loaded up on aspartame. It's fine. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's that, so it's 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 not not diabetes. It's just cancer. Is that what it is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Good. I hope he's not like freebase and aspartame now. No. <laughs> <laughs> It might be the name of the show already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you got those people that think they're all natural. They're freebase and stevia. And they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's like the people that smoke cloves. Mm-hmm. I mean, too, it's really disappointing. I mean, you, you, you'd think you'd be able to trust a doctor, and then Dr. Peppy gets, gets you right on the aspartame train. It's, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. You know, I mean, they prescribe this stuff. You want to trust them been my family doctor for generations you know (laughs) (coughs) we got a podcast to do don't we Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah all right i do remember i like those family trips we used to take you know joey would go your family had that chalet on Mountain Dew, you know. It was <laughs> <laughs> really good time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to. Uh, it, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. What the show needs is more dogs and bears. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch and beautiful goodness. Welcome, Pacers fans. You are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 521. Company from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're going to discuss Bobby Slick Leonard. We're going to discuss uh, LaMarcus Aldridge retiring. Of course, we got a stat of the week and an under Googleable as well. 
Joining me this show are all three of our analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the high school home of Jameson Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland, it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? Shout out to the Earth. Happy Earth Day. Uh, all Shout 360 out. degrees of it. All, the, all of its round glory. <laughs> From Indianapolis, Indiana, he's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks in the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? Um, I, I actually just want to get Joey hot enough that he keeps taking off clothes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, and to change the topic, from Boise, Idaho, <laughs> out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What's going on, fellas? I'll just I'll cool you right off. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. It's getting cold in here. <laughs> Um, before we restart the show, we'd like to remind you this show is brought to you by you. Uh, if you head over to patreon.com slash undebeatables, you can uh, become a patron of ours for as little as a dollar a month. Um, any dollar amount is uh, allowed. Uh, $5 and up will get a, a koozie sent right to your home. Hey Joe, I'd I'd like to uh, thank all the people that have, have, have become Patreons. Like it's been really, I think, uh, an amazing outpouring of, of people caring about us. Um, I do want to say that it's not enough people for me to quit my job. Mm. So um, if you think that we're just like raking in the Patreon money, just keep it coming. All right, keep it coming. <laughs> if you want more crappy jingles, keep singing it. Keep sending in the, the, the Patreon money. I will. Yeah. I will full time crappy jingle if you keep sending in that money. Looks like we just had two cancellations. Uh, <laughs> that's rough. Damn it. That's rough. Ugh. So if you want more of this, go to slash undebeatables and you can support us for as little as a dollar uh, per month. Well, you've probably heard the news by now. We talked about it a little bit last show, but. Bobby Slick Leonard has passed away. Uh, I think he was 88 years old. Uh, I mean, he's the the heart and soul of the Pacers franchise. Um, you know, Jason, you mentioned last last week that uh, there was an article saying that he, you know, there there's certainly an argument to be made that uh, Indianapolis would not be the city it is today w- without him here. And I, I, mean, I totally get that. Um, He's been, I mean, he's been a, he served, you know, many different roles. He was, uh, uh, I mean, he you know, played basketball, he played basketball at IU, I played in the NBA. Um, he, you know, coached uh, the team, which was, you know, a very successful uh, run, uh, ABA and NBA. Uh, he, he, you know, got three titles under his belt under the ABA. Um, and he's been a broadcaster for, for many, many, many years. Um you know, I think that's where most of us, um, you know, spent our time with him was just listening on the radio. But, uh, you know, you could just tell that he was so invested in the franchise, you know, just from listening to him for all those years. You know, he always, um, he, he was, a, you know, could be a pretty harsh critic, um, but he always, you could tell that, um, A, I thought it was cool that the, the organization, like, gave him the freedom uh, to say, you know, to say some negative things about uh, about the organization, you know, publicly and on the radio, um, but you could tell it also came from a place of love um, because he he cared very much about you know the, the team, the players, the you know the the coaching staff, and everyone involved with the organization. Um, I mean, if you if you know this team at all. You gotta. You, his name has got to have come up at some point. So his 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 uh, banners in the rafters. I've got a, I've got uh, one on the you know a small replica on my wall next to me. Um, it means a lot, you know. And for me, you know, I I've got to meet him uh, once or twice, and he was you know just nice as could be, you know. Um, answered questions and just uh, super pleasant, and uh, always had a smile on his face. So. Uh, he he certainly will be missed. Um, I don't know. 
what else do you guys? Colson, you know, what what can you say about him? He's he's in your you sing his song every week. Yeah, no, I mean this this podcast doesn't exist without Bob Axel Leonard. I mean, in in all honesty, I mean, I <clears throat> I've been thinking a lot about um, when he went to the Hall of Fame. Um, Harper made a point on one of our podcasts that it's not about what he did. Um, you know, in his playing career and his coaching career, um, but it's about uh, what he did, at least for us, um, by making us fans as 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 a color commentator. Um, and I, I thought that was that was really insightful because I mean that's how we understand him. And I was listening to um, Mark Boyle talk about it, and he said, uh, you know, it's not a. I'm not trying to insult the man to say that he wasn't an accomplished uh, broadcaster. He wasn't very good at it. But what he did was he was so genuine um, as a fan and was the voice of the fan that it drew people in. And it made you feel like you were sitting in the living room with with Bobby Silk Leonard. Um, I can think of a million big games where I turned off the TV because I was too nervous so I could listen to Mark and Slick call the game and I remember games where Slick would say I'm closing my eyes I'm too nervous tell me what happens <laughs> because that's how I felt too you know uh, uh, Mark Watts had a, a fantastic story about uh, game seven in the, the 1994 uh, playoffs against the Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals where uh, going into the fourth quarter it was like a two-point game or whatever and Slick was like I'm too nervous I'm just gonna go smoke a cigarette and so he left and didn't come back until like four minutes left in the game I mean, there, there was just like there was no color commentator for the fourth quarter of a, of a seventh game of the Eastern Conference Finals because Slick couldn't handle it. Like, I absolutely love that stuff. And I love that the organization didn't fire the man because he didn't show up for his job but because they understood who he was, who he was to this franchise and who he was to the fan base. Um, uh, and I just, uh, you know, I've... I've uh, surprised how hard I've, I've taken uh, his passing. I mean, the man was 88 years old. Uh, he'd lived a long life. He'd been dealing with a lot of ailments. Um, he'd had two massive heart attacks within the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. Um, but uh, you do kind of feel like he was going to live forever. He was just going to be around forever um, because he is so much a part of what this franchise is. And, you um, um, Sad week, but uh, you know, want to celebrate who he was. So, um, shout out! Shout out! Yeah, no doubt. I mean, as a testament to that, um, you know, he's slowly, you know, scaled back his uh, uh, involvement, I guess, with with the radio broadcast. But he never fully stepped away. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so over the last, whatever, it's two or three years, I guess Austin Crozier was a color guy for a little bit, but basically now it's just Boyle, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's a living testament to the fact that you cannot replace Slick Leonard, right? Um, and Slick is still involved in these broadcasts, you know, he calls in before the game at halftime and after the game to say like, this is what I'm seeing, like, what That's the right. F you got to get the ball out of James Harden's hands. What the f are you doing? Like he's he did still it, he, so passionate, or was he did it in the Memphis end. game? So fast, uh, you know, so I mean, it, like two days before he died, he did. He called in. You yeah. know, I mean, like that's that's amazing. Yeah, and you know what? The more that I reflect on it, it's just amazing the breadth of of basketball that this guy has seen. Right, like so. Uh, Slick was uh, basically, you know, the captain, I think, of the uh, 1953 IU National Basketball Championship team. Like, that's 70 years ago, almost. (laughs) And he's seen that much basketball, you know, since then. Um, And I I remember a story from his, it's like a, not an autobiography, it's like a weird biography thing where like half of it is um oh yeah i read that uh, that book right yeah 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 i'm I'm blanking on the guy who wrote it but every chapter is basically starts out with a phone call with slick and him like soliloquizing for two and a half pages and then (laughs) 
And then the author, like, actually putting it in context and be like, okay, here's what he's talking about. Like, this is what was happening at that time in his career. And, you know, back when Slick was playing at IU, um, you know, the guys didn't do summer workouts. Um, you know, they, they didn't go, you know, train with a special person in Malibu or whatever. I don't know what college kids do these days, but they certainly <laughs> didn't go to the limestone mines in uh, Bedford, Indiana and break stone, which is what, <laughs> what Slick Leonard did, you know, even though he's like the captain of this, the best team in the country. And he's, he's going and, and working at a quarry all summer. And he was like, actually, that was the best. That kept us in shape, you know? <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. That's how they did it. Yep. Yeah, no, it's just uh, amazing. I mean, the entirety of my experience with the Pacers is, you know, written through uh, Bobby Slick Leonard calling games. I mean, all of my memories are, uh, you know, are through him. Um, yeah, he'll, he'll be missed. I, I Like you, Colson, I was just, you know. A little surprised how much it hit me this week. It's just like not a very fun week. Like, you know, you're right. It's time for celebration. He lived a great life, and we have a lot to be thankful for from him. But just a tough week, and uh, you know, even though he got it in really, really good in his 88 years, you know, it's still sad for the rest of us. Yeah. There was a so we we got to meet him uh, on an undebitacon, um, and uh, you know. I was trying to explain to him um, that we did a podcast <clears throat> and I yes, said, you know, you yeah, I said, we do a podcast about the Pacers and we, we actually sing your song at the end of every episode. And he goes, what's a podcast? And I went, okay, this is going to be a longer conversation than I thought. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I was like, look, it's, it's, we basically do a radio show that you can kind of download whenever you want it. Um, but and we we talk about the Pacers and he was just he was like that's amazing he was just really po- he had a way of making you feel like you weren't an idiot like he was like he could have been like I don't care but he wasn't he made me feel like I was important um, he was really excited that that we talked about the Pacers and that other people could listen to it um, and um, it was very kind and took a picture with us which is which is great with with his salmon jacket on which we. We often refer to as the salmon jacket, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, um, there's a there's a uh, you know listening to to people talk about him after his death. You know, we didn't know him, um, Joey. You said you met him a couple times, but you know, there is a, a skill uh, to be the kind of fiery competitor he was um, that uh, would. Um, you know, cheat in a card game that, that got him the nickname Slick. Um, and um, that would also just scream his head off at all of his players and motivate them to win three ABA championships. Um, but also to make you feel cared about and like you're the most important person in the room. And that is an incredible ability. And I think that's one of the things that made him special. And, and it is, he is, um, not only responsible for this franchise continuing based on a telethon he did in the seventies, um, not only responsible for, you know, as you said, the argument that to be made that this, um, you know, city isn't what it is without him, but he is sort of the personality of this franchise. Um, the Simons loved him, supported him, relied on him, trusted him, um, continued to have him be a part of this place. And, and I think, there's not there's not a person that's gone through this franchise that didn't know who Bobby Slinner was. It didn't have a conversation with him. It wasn't touched by him. Um, and so I'm calling now for the statue. Like it just needs to happen. We need the statue out front. Um, it, it you know he's earned it. He is the the bedrock of this franchise. Um, I know there are lots of franchises that have important people in their franchises and. Um, whatever, but for us, it's it's Bobby Sick Leonard, and so uh, let's get the statue going, let's get it done. I'm pro statue as long as there's a salmon jacket uh, <laughs> on it, or that we can put a salmon jacket on it. Um, pro legs, I like legs. You like legs in the statue? I like a, a full body. Yeah, like I don't you don't know, want a I don't bust. Know, a just you don't want a bust. <laughs> just legs. 
There's there there it's is like, a statue it, of just legs of those in downtown. downtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Uh, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Damn it, <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, baby. Oh yes. Okay. Thank you. That that triggered my that memory. Did it. Um, okay. So uh, there was some talk of of how to honor Slick, you know, going forward. I think it would be a nice thing if the fans, um, you know, incorporated the boom baby into, uh, you know, the fan regime now. So like, uh, Reb Porter, who used to, uh, be the in, in building announcer would always at the, the two minute mark of the fourth quarter that it was like two minutes two, uh, and now the fans do that when, uh, you know, they, they shoot free throws. They say there's, you know, he's shooting two and they do two, uh, um, Obviously, I'd, I think the crowd yelling "Boom Baby" every three is a little extreme, but it, I like the suggestion Mark Boyle made of you know maybe the first one is mm. you know the the fans always yell that one, mm. and sort of leave it at that. Or nice, whatever. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. Yeah, something along those lines would be super cool way to to honor him. Let's get on that, Joey. Yeah. Well, uh, when I start getting. Uh uh, you know, games to go to. That, uh, Come on, you're almost on your second vaccine. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm gonna get there. One if we days. have a long playoff run, you and I can both go to, <laughs> to a game. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So this is, uh, I, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna pivot and turn it back to the Pacers and say I can help them if they help me by letting me have games to go That's to. That's right. <laughs> Play into late May, and you and I will be there. Yep. And we'll scream yeah, boom, baby. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's not going to be the same. Same without him there. But it, he's in the rafters, so we can, uh, you know, anytime we're in the building, we still get to see him. But, uh, yeah, I like his statue. I think that's totally fair. And, I mean, you know, we have three titles because of him. They are ABA titles. That's, uh, but uh, that's not been matched since then. And it's, uh, you know, they were the best team in the ABA. That's for sure. To my but memory, yeah, for sure. In other news, um, we had a surprise retirement in the NBA. Lamarcus Aldridge um, announced this past Thursday, about a week ago today, uh, that he's retiring. And uh, he had just joined the Nets. He played six games. Um, and um, he, during the game against the Lakers, um, he said he experienced an irregular heartbeat. Um, and I think it was going on the next day as well. Um, yeah, his, his, the condition worsened after the game. And um, I think he's had this kind of off and on. And it had been under control, or, like, for a bit. Um, but it has returned. He was super scared, and he said, you know, I've been – for 15 – his quote is, for 15 years I put basketball first, and now it's time to put my health and family first. So this last one really shook him. It's You know, he's uh, been in the league for 15 years, and, uh, you know, no, no reason to, to risk anything further. Um, so, you know, good for him. You know, if you want to, uh, to hang it up right now, uh, it's it's – you know, a bummer for the league because he's a he's a special talent, and um, you know the, the the Nets certainly could could use that talent. Yeah, a you real know, blow the to their um, uh, final chances. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel bad for the Nets, but I mean, like saying he he would be you know having an extra Lamarcus Aldridge, Aldridge hanging out on your bench is always <laughs> useful for sure, um, for sure. But so he's uh, so he's hanging it up, so. Harper, I know he was a blazer for for many years. Do you? Uh, how do you feel about him? He was. He was a blazer for many years. We love Lamarcus. Marcus is just like a weird figure, right? I mean, he was a super good basketball player. Really should have gone number one overall, right? But Toronto passed on him for Bargnani, which was <laughs> awesome. Might have been a Instead mistake of- in retrospect. Instead, of, yeah. Instead of the Chris Bosh, Lamarcus Aldridge front court, you think? <laughs> you think? 
Um, and by the time he shows up in, you know, Portland, you know, it's the Brandon Roy, Greg Oden show. And then by the time that falls apart, it's the Dame show. So he never really had a team of his own, you know. And for a guy with the wealth of talents that he had, you know, he never really got to have his own team. A lot of those guys, you know, end up, you know, not having their own team because they're on teams that are super successful. But that really never happened for him either, right? Um, it just it just turned into sort of a, a you know strange career and you know a little bit of a what could have been, um, but a, a super good guy. I think it was probably you know at least according to some reporting, it was tough for him to be in Portland after Dame started rising, just you know going around town and um, you know Dame got a lot of attention. <laughs> he real good. <laughs> Uh, and I think that was tough for him. Um, definitely a heck of a player. I'm a little bit curious what you guys think of his uh, Hall of Fame hopes. He reminds me of a more offensively talented David West. Mm-hmm. He's like sort of in that mold, like just knock down 16 to 18 footer, <laughs> like uh, and consummate pro. Uh, not as good defensively, but um, you know, like totally awesome guy I was just looking at his uh so on basketball reference his his uh similarity scores the the players he's closest to elvin hayes chris bosh horace grant buck williams havlicek like all these guys alex english all these guys are uh, hall of famers yeah (laughs) they're all in the hall of fame exactly yeah um you know didn't have the Made seven All Star games, um, and one, two, three, four, five, five All NBA, six yeah. All NBA teams. Oh no, five. sorry, five All yeah. NBA and one All. He was all rookie. I guess that doesn't really count. But um, he's got he's right there. I would say mm-hmm. the only thing lacking is the postseason success. I guess right, like. Or maybe I'm not remembering right. Did he to the? He went to the finals once. And then went to the finals. With San Antonio. Wait, no. Who did he go to the finals with? I think. Maybe conference finals. Yeah, he's been to the conference finals once. I don't think he ever went to the finals. finals. Yeah. I. Um. I remember um, being so pissed when he went to San Antonio because I just thought that San Antonio was going to be a dynasty forever because um, he's that good. Um, but you're right. It never really worked out to the point where he had a bunch of postseason success. Um, I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer. I think it happens. Um, lock it in. Um, but maybe not first ballot. Maybe, maybe he's the second ballot. Here we go. So I was hunting for this Hall of Fame probability on there you uh, go. basketball that's reference. Fifty point nine percent. Whoa! Yeah, see, that's it's like the thing. He's it's like, like really like down in the wow. awards and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like literally flip a coin. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, if he had a, a ring, probably it's a lock. I mean, you know, Chris Bosh will get there because he's got the rings, right? But well, for sure. Yeah. But I mean to never. I mean to make it to one conference finals. Yeah. I mean, it's not not great, and it's not like he was, you know, always playing for like, scrubs. Right. That's true. Right. And it's not. He wasn't a perennial All Star necessarily. Right. So. Yeah, five All NBAs is pretty impressive. It is very impressive. I think most of them are third team though. Um, not. That, I mean. Third, third, second, third, second. I don't yeah. even count third team. I mean, if I'm not on the first or second, it just doesn't go in the middle. No, I think he does fall right on that the precipice. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's, he makes it's it. Like he makes other, it. I don't know. I mean, I mean it didn't it wasn't great in co- like his college teams weren't great either. Like he he could use one more thing on that resume to really lock it on. Yeah. You right. get it. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. He played six games for the Nets. If they win the title, oh. he gets a ring, right? Oh. Sure. 
that's probably up to the discretion of the Nets. Mm-hmm. It's up to the team. But uh, if he says, hey, this is, the, this is between he, me he getting will, in the hall and not. He will have played for a championship-winning basketball team. Absolutely. <laughs> that is a true statement. I, if they that'll will. definitely get him up to 51.1, <laughs> right? <laughs> I put it on my resume. Oh, yeah. Oh, you put that on your resume for sure. I was the influence in the locker room that got them to be what they needed in those six games. <laughs> No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even start to describe what you did for the team. Just put on air. Well, I mean, ring owner. In all seriousness, though, it is a big bummer because like he was playing all right. For yeah, Brooklyn, for right? sure. And like added yeah, a new looked dimension good. to what they had, and like not that Brooklyn needs new. They don't need help. Anything like that, but <laughs> but still, but like he was doing his job, you know, like um, yeah. But probably, I mean. Yeah, it, obviously, health is number one, right? So, and yep. and given the chance, right, that he or the, or the 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 fact that he had a real chance to win a ring, which is every NBA player's uh-huh. you know dream, like this had to be a very tough decision oh, for him, and for sure, yeah. So, gotta feel wish him the, the best. You know? yeah. yeah, no, exactly. I'm. It, it is. It's it's tough, and I you know. Um, I actually now I'm I'm gonna uh, change my mind. Chris Webber's not in the Hall of Fame, is he? No. Chris Webber's better than Lamarcus Aldridge, and also had a better college career, and also has a better announcing career. Yeah, I'm gonna say that if it, until Chris Webber gets in, Lamarcus Aldridge is never getting in. That 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 should probably be a non-starter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 gonna be my argument. But I think. Hopefully Chris Webber gets in, right? I don't know. I mean, he's not in yet. He's he's been on the ballot. Who like? How do you feel like he is compared to like T Mac? Because that was another one. Oh, which I'm totally never... out on T Mac being in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I'm totally out on it. What's the saying? But he's in though, right? Like he, is, he in. is in, and I'm totally out on it. Mitch Richmond is in, and that that makes me that breaks my oh, heart. Dude, that's so weird. Like that, that the moment Mitch <laughs> Richmond got in was the moment I gave up on the Hall of Fame. So that's why I assume everyone will get in. It's like, oh yeah, Lamarcus, yeah, it's fine. But I'll get in because Mitch Richmond is in. Lamarcus Aldridge is better than Mitch Richmond, isn't he? I don't know. I don't know. I did my Mitch Richmond uh, knowledge is. God, he's the worst. He's the me. worst. Wait, what, what's clearly Mitch not Richmond the hate? worst, but you know, I have I have so some you... private beef with Mitch Richmond. That's all I'm just saying. Okay, okay, all right. He was part of Run TMC. I mean, come on. Ah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> all right. Um, if we're done with is Chris uh, Mullen in, is Chris Mullen beef? in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Is Tim Hardaway in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Okay. All right. So that's why he got in. Probably. Man, LaMarcus Aldridge is better than Tim Hardaway, right? Tim Hardaway was pretty he good. He was pretty good. Yeah. T-Mac was pretty good when he wasn't injured. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's it's kind of the, like the hall of pretty good is what it is. <laughs> I think you're a little harsh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> These dudes that are world class athletes. Uh. Well, Besides, you want to be setting a low bar because you know someday there's going to be a podcasting hall of fame, and well, you know you I mean, don't you don't want whatever the next version of a podcast is for the you know some you know pissant person with a microphone to be saying like. Colson, John Colson made it into the podcasting Hall of Fame. Anybody's in the Hall of Fame, you know. But I actually, if I ever make it to the podcast Hall of Fame, then they just burn that Hall of Fame to the ground. <laughs> just it's like there's no rules, there's no bar. I was gonna say you were still holding out hope for the actual basketball Hall of Fame because it's just for basketball, mm. but apparently not. <laughs> I refuse to be a part of any Hall of Fame. If it happens, that then that, that it's, 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 it's illegitimate. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, Excellent. man. <laughs> I just looked up the podcast hall of fame.com and it's taken. Oh. 
It redirects to geeknewscentral.com, which I think is not that interesting. Well, maybe we should just rename Undebeaticon the podcasting Hall of Fame. Nice. Trip. Yeah, really? for sure. Can I have our own personal Hall of Fame. I'm not. Yeah, I, when oh. Colson when Colson doesn't make it to the Unbeatables Hall of Fame, he's gonna be <laughs> no Johns allowed. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate Joey first, and then just like hope that somebody nominates me. Um. We'll leave it up to the Patreons. They can. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Vote with your vote with your money. (laughs) (laughs) That's how capitalism works. Yep. Exactly. Um. All right. Let's take a let's take a quick quick break. We'll come back in the second half with uh, stat of the week and an under Google. Back from the break, we got a, a start of the week for you. This one, this one, I'm, I'm very excited about. Joey, stat of the week. Jason, uh, you're a scientist by trade, um, so I don't know if you know these these people, but these are other other scientists. Uh, you probably know. They're all <laughs> one big club, right? <laughs> There's not that many of us. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I was very excited to see. Um, uh, last last month there was a, a uh, actually uh, a species or two species of sea slugs um, that were found to be capable of severing their own heads from their bodies and growing an entirely new body, including all their organs like the heart and, and everything else. Um, Colson is saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, okay, question. Already off the top. Like it. Off the top. So, <laughs> so does the body grow a new head, or does the head grow a new body, or both? No, the the no the the, the body the body dies. Okay. Um, but the so the the head grows. The head new grows body. new it, organs. Uh, yeah. yeah, like the rest of the body. So we've seen before in other you know others you know species where. You know, you can lose a limb, you know, things like that, or you know, we know about that. Sure. So the body is now um, a limb. The, the body is a limb now. Um, they think it has something to do with there's a the the diet, uh, which apparently, I think it's of a uh, it was like a certain algae. Um, they think that can like keep them, you know, <laughs> can sustain them. Because, uh, I mean, you've got no, you know, digestion system. You've got none of these So things, you're just right? a head rolling around eating algae, and then it's just, like, coming out the back of your head until you can grow a stomach again? I don't... Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you just grow all those... Yeah, yes, yeah, so you just kind of grow. I don't know, like, you're injecting anything, but you are... 
you know, there's no digestive system, but you're you're you grow you grow a digestive system, and then you I mean, how quickly your, can you grow a new body? Is all I'm saying. Like, how long do you have to eat before uh, you're regrowing a body? It takes you three weeks to to grow. See, a See, I feel like there's a lot, a lot of faster in Deadpool too. <laughs> it really did. It really did. I think he took like a few hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm concerned by yeah, all of this. It's pretty wild. Like, I know I did. I mean, this is not my field of of biology, but I do know there's this um, type of flatworm called uh, <laughs> Planaria, I believe, um, yeah. that uh, has these amazing reanimation capabilities. Right, like you can you can like cut it down to like. A fiftieth of its—I mean—and they're small animals anyway, but like a fiftieth of its of its uh, body size, and it will grow the whole thing back. Regeneration—that's the word I was looking for. Um, yeah. And sea slugs are relatively simple creatures, right? If I remember right, or maybe I'm confusing yeah. them with sea cucumbers, which are also very simple creatures. Basically, it's just a worm, right? Tube within a tube, and there you go. Boom. Yeah, the, in the article, actually, they mentioned that, uh, that you know, starfish um, can shed their arms, or some some arms, uh, but then those usually grow back. All right, sometimes the arms grow back into a new starfish. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And what? the sea cucumbers, if, if they're... <laughs> the sea cucumbers, if they're under attack can uh, eject their internal organs as you mm-hmm. do um, and those grow back um, and scare the hell out of everyone if you like throw your liver at somebody like they don't usually take I'm out. that real well I'm out at that point yeah yeah. I mean what's at this point you're like this isn't this isn't <laughs> the weird thing about this is that it doesn't appear to be a, like a, an evasion from predator thing it's like an infection thing, right? Yeah, it must be like they recognize, yeah, some part of their body is gone wrong or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah. And then it just, like, rips its own head off and regrows a body. Yeah, so that's interesting. So, right, yeah, because the planaria thing and even, like, the starfish thing. I mean, I guess the starfish, like, they get predated, right? Mm-hmm. Or a planaria, you can imagine, gets predated. But this is a self-inflicted, like regeneration thing which seems to be i have never heard it before which is really cool i think the, it's the, really cool. no i mean definitely I mean, I think really it's super weird cool, yeah. for sure yeah pretty cool pretty Coulson weird seems uh what do you think what do you think fred van vliet would say about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i'm thinking right now that like we're just at the beginning of uh, where we, we got the uh, robot bodies, right? So we just you just just take my head off my body and put me on a robot, um, mm-hmm. and then you know or you know uh, cryo uh, freeze me, you know, until you can come up with the I, this is better than cryo freezing, right? So like if I have some sort of disease, I'm like, well, just get rid of the body, and we'll just put we'll I'll just regrow it. Or give me a robot body, and then I'll live forever. That's what the sea slug has taught me. <laughs> <laughs> I am continually amazed at your ego. <laughs> <laughs> How much sea slug DNA do you think you have? <laughs> How much do I need? <laughs> I think around 100%. Okay. I'm gonna, if, if, You're definitely right. This is this is your next. If I level. eat like, sea yeah. slugs, does that change my DNA? Only one way to find out. <laughs> yeah. no. I mean, in the book, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna my hundred percent diet of sea slugs is gonna get me a hundred percent DNA. That's how it works. All this, all of a sudden, you're gonna, you get, <laughs> fans are gonna start seeing sea slug on the Mikado menu because <laughs> Colson's just gonna order it by the. By the ton. Like, uh oh, right. I gotta get That's rid right. of this somehow. That's right. No, no, no. It's a new delicacy. It's it's, uh, it's Japanese. It's gonna be great. Don't worry. Don't you worry about it. It's gonna be great. Uh, all right. 
So, I hope we learned a little bit about sea slugs. Colson, do you got a stat? Uh, what, what, what do you think? <laughs> the, uh, Excellent question. The undergoogleable. <laughs> what do you bring to the I table? I don't know. <laughs> Nothing of use. Let me um, your, uh, employee file here. <laughs> I'm a people person. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Are we doing under Googleables? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to, sir. You said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. Yeah, one that, that came up the other day, I was listening to a podcast, and they said, let's put a pin in that. And I went, oh, yeah, that's a phrase that we just know. We're going to put a pin in that. Um, and I, my entire life, I've sort of envisioned, um, like, like doing needle and thread and then just sticking the needle into the project and calling it a day. Like we're just done sewing for now. So you stick your needle up. And then I thought, I don't know if that's, that's the right image to have in my head put a pin in that give me the history the meaning thank you (laughs) (laughs) is that your mic drop (laughs) so so the idea behind the put a pin in that is um let's uh that's a really good conversation we're having or uh, there's some topic. That's a really good point. You yeah, made. but we need yeah. to not talk about that. We need to move on to the next thing. We need to circle right. back. We need to circle back to right. that. So let's just put right. a pin in that uh, now. Uh, uh, yeah. um, the other image I always have is put a pin in a balloon, which blows up the balloon. Um, <laughs> those are the two images that I have in my head. Um, I don't feel like that's as useful. But yeah, when I was a kid, I always thought of like maybe knitting or something, and then you stick the pin in the ball of yarn, and you're like, I'm done mm-hmm. knitting for the day. We'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to it later. Yeah, that's good. I always envision it as a cork board. A cork and board. Yeah. Mm. That's a good idea. We're just going to put a push pin. We're going to put that. We're gonna, that's a note that we're going to put on the board. Okay. I have that, but like a paranoid, beautiful mind sort of cork board. <laughs> okay. okay. With lots of yarn sure. connecting things. <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> a lot of black and white pictures. That's what the inside of my brain looks like. <laughs> okay. Wow. Sure. It's a wonderful insight to Harper's brain. Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> I've always sort of thought like uh, like sort of in the sewing area, mm-hmm. sort of the same way where it, yeah, it was kind of like, uh, like with the sewing needle, you just kind of, yeah, poke it into the project and just say, we'll, we'll come back. Yeah. We'll come back to that. that. Well, I mean, you, there's like a pin cushion, right? Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a pin yeah. cushion you stick a pin in. Uh, but but uh, the, these ideas, though, make them very separate eras, right? So if, if Jason's idea of putting a, a thumbtack into a cork board would be, what era is that? Turn of the century? When do we have cork boards and push pens? 1920s? That's a good 20s? question. I'd... 1930s? Yeah, when does office life? Well, office life doesn't begin? start till the fifties, probably, right? Forties. Mm. I mean, I there were. There's... I mean, there were definitely like people, like once the industrial revolution started, there were probably like managers of factories right. had their offices okay. or so... whatever, right? But but real office culture where people had day jobs that were like sitting at a desk or post World War Two, right? Yeah, probably. I would think. I would think maybe World War One ish, maybe, but yeah, okay. In that starting in to come about twentieth century. Yeah. So a push pin I, versus I mean, a thumbtack. I don't know when they come up with a push pin into a cork. So I mean, the, I mean, the only reason I think that is because that's the way it makes sense in my brain. Yeah. Is that. That's what I would do. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. Let me put it on a Post-it note. I'll put it over right. here. Let's deal stick with it, it on the corkboard. I don't know that that's where the the phrase comes from okay. at all. 
And I, I kind of like this idea that it comes from sewing first, right? Which is, we're going to put a pin in that we're going to like, because even in sewing, I don't know much about sewing, but like, for instance, if you're going to like put a hem in or something like that, you like fold the fabric up first, pin it, and then you're like, oh, okay, then I'll come back to that later and like oh. actually oh. sew that line. Or oh, whatever. I didn't even that's, think that's about that. That's actually really so, good. Probably specifically tailoring, because the, yes. the problem that I was sort of mentally running into is like, well, sewing was primarily something that women did, right? So, you know, how does that enter the larger lexicon, given the fact that, uh, you know, women weren't allowed to <laughs> read or write for or so talk. long? Yeah. Um, so I was like going to like, you know. But but I think tailoring. That's think good. Maybe, yeah. So you basically you put a pin something. in something that you're going to sew later, right? That's how you tax, yeah, exactly. you tax something. Essentially, mm-hmm. I think he nailed it. Yeah, it just holds it. Yeah, you just hold that in place, and that's yeah. You, you know, like if you yep. if the if the legs were too long, you just you know fold them up, right? Put a pin in it, right? Yep. Oh my and god, then, this uh, is good. Figure out the rest of it and come back later and finish up. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and this mm-hmm. the, actually, you know what you're making me realize? You're making me another idiom. The idiom within an idiom. The work is. Uh, you've got your work cut out for you. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a tailoring phrase, right? We're cutting out the thing, and then you're pinning it, and then, and then you're gonna sew it later. Probably. That 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 may be. I'm wondering if that's not more large scale, maybe. Okay. But well, I'm just, I'm, it's always there's always a, a you know an undegoogleable with an undegoogleable, or it wouldn't be you know an undegoogleable. But I I'm, I feel like I I love this idea of we're pinning something that we're going to sew later. And that's where I got the work mm-hmm. cut out for mm-hmm. you thing. Yeah, I'm liking like Victorian England based on that, right? Okay. Yeah, what are yeah. tailors? They're the most sar- nerdy sartorial class ever, weren't they? Hmm. You've got to have a mind. yeah, shit ton of wealth and where you can just create somebody that hangs out to make you fancy clothes. That's their whole gig. Yeah. So Vic- yeah, but doesn't that go back to like, I mean, any ever since there's been royalty, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure the Greeks had like special robes and stuff. Like, you, you know what I mean? Mm. But did they have pens? I mean, they had stuff that held other stuff. Certainly, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Is it? But most likely, like, yeah, like large scale tailoring came about right victorian era or something like that when you started to have a uh i guess it wouldn't even be middle class then upper a larger upper class right and yeah. a nobility that a landed gentry that was was large enough to support it but i mean economies. but you know what they're you know if there's cobblers there's tailors right there's bakers there's all these things in in some sort of there's candlestick makers <laughs> 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 Somebody's been reading some children. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like a tailor would exist outside of Victorian England. Like we're, you know, you've got to repair some broken, You're right. torn yeah. like, clothing. Yeah. Even even Joe Schmo that's going to the yeah. field needs uh, pants. Yeah, yeah. right. No, no, that's fair. Yeah, but I mean, how much hemming were they doing at that point? Right. I just right. The more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm thinking it's probably one of those things. Like every idiom we come across, that was probably in the lexicon for a long time before like some business management class turned it into like, you know, sure. fair for the masses because I mean, I, I don't know. Like how, how did that originally get introduced? Certainly through literature is going to be where we find it. Right. Right. So it's going to be right. Chaucer right. or Shakespeare or, or, or newspaper or Mark Twain or newspaper. Right. Yeah. I mean, it could be newspaper. Shakespeare Jr. or something. <laughs> Pliny the yeah, <laughs> exactly. Shakespeare the Jr. Pliny the eighth. <laughs> right. What's what's so, our guess? Yeah, I like the idea that it comes about that we see it in print maybe in the what the mid nineteenth century or something. Like okay. Mid eighteen hundreds. Yeah. I um. I. I'm now, I, I feel like Jason's guess is better than my guess. 
Um, I like it. It's corkboard. I'm think I'm I'm thinking it comes about in 1947. Interesting. We're putting a pin on it because my entire life I thought it was about sewing, but I thought it was like yarn. And then you brought up uh, Harper. You brought up like the like pinning things, and I was like, oh, this goes way way earlier than I thought. But I'm I think I'm fooling myself. I think it's I think it's about a corkboard. I think Jason's right. Hmm. I mean, I think Jason's right either way. I think he think he nailed it with the tailoring thing. So. It's- it's the nice thing is I came up with both. Oh, you came exactly. up with both of them. Okay, yeah. <laughs> exactly. you did come up with both of them. You're right. I'll go a little bit <laughs> earlier than Jason and, and go like mid 18th century or something. Okay. Okay. Joey. I mean, I think yeah, I think mid 1800s. Urban Dictionary says uh, they offer a World War II origin of putting a pin back in a grenade so it doesn't explode. Oh. I don't think that's what it is. I mean, Urban Dictionary is not a, uh, a reliable source. I don't know. That's that would be pretty awesome if that's what it was. Yeah, no, that's actually. <laughs> You'd think that three agreed. dudes who said it only one got out. So let's put a right. pin in yes. that. But would you take a pin out of a grenade and then put it back in? Does that stop the grenade? Yeah, I guess that does stop the grenade from blowing up. It does. Okay. So we may have better luck with work cut out for you. Okay. I'm on uh, wordhistories.net. Supposedly a metaphorical allusion to the preparation of fabric to be worked on. Yeah. So definitely a tailoring thing. We're looking at uh, the rule of reason uh, containing the art of logic, London 1551 for for first reference. Uh, Containing, you'll be happy to know, is spelled C-O-N-E. T-E-I-N-Y-N-G as you do. <laughs> as you do. So, okay, so the the reference to tailoring did did pan out on that one. That's looking pretty pretty solid. Yeah. Well done, Gold. That's awesome. I'm mm. 1592 might be better, but we're, we're, we're talking like pre-Shakespeare on the work cut out. Definitely tailoring. So Pre-Shakespeare, you know okay. I'm getting the uh, etymology of the word pen, which doesn't um, help us. Um, it comes from Old Norse penny to mean peg or tack. Uh, I'm not getting much else on the... Outside of the, the grenade thing. This is completely ungoogled. Wow, this, this is like, this is really bizarre. That no, there, there's nothing. I mean, there's like there's I, nothing good. I suspected that, that it would be like an elusive slang thing, as often as it is. But this is tr- really much more elusive than I thought. Right. Mm-hmm. In 1859, the book *Nature and Human Nature* by Thomas Chandler Halliburton included the phrase "stick a pin in it." Uh, in a somewhat figurative manner that alludes to keeping something set apart to refer back to in the future. Okay. There you go. You okay. guys nailed that what? date then. We're going to take that and move on. <laughs> well yeah. done. Yeah, mid-1800s. Bang. Done. When And when was a grenade invented? Hmm. I'm guessing uh, 19... <sighs> World War I? Oh, seven. Oh, I mean, what on. makes a grenade? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the thing. Because uh, now I'm seeing like 1500s. Yeah, but. I mean, you stuff gunpowder or something, a fuse. Good call, good call. You launch that thing, right. you got yourself a grenade. The modern grenade. The modern grenade, I think, with shrapnel and hard casing and all that stuff, and you know, you're definitely looking at World War One, past the Civil War, clearly. How does a grenade even work? I never even thought through that. I, I mean, it's explosive inside a hard shell. The pressure yeah, builds up, kerplodes the shrapnel. When you pull, when you pull the pin. You allow yeah, air. Yeah, what is pulling the pin? It allows that? air into the um, 
composition of things. Right? Really? That's what I thought it was. Is that right? Well, I assume that it it closed the circuit on a on a timer. On oh, a, on a oh no, I don't think it's is it a timer? Yeah, five seconds. Yeah, that man. seems that seems like super high tech. Well no, but I didn't think I didn't 1500s. think I didn't think it was a like I thought the timer was how long it was going to take for the reaction to happen. There wasn't like an actual like countdown going on. Like I thought, like there's, I mean, there's, a, there's a, yeah, there's like a legit fuse in there, right? Oh, okay. So when I pull the pin, there's a connection of fuses. Is that what's happening? We're all gonna get red flagged by the uh, <laughs> yeah. NSA right now we're now. figuring out how to build there. grenades. So the the I think the modern one that we think of the fragmentation gra- grenade. Uh, was from 1915. Okay, that sounds around uh, my guess. So, but How's the, it the reason I well I ask was just because that that one was that's well after the uh, the book. Oh right. Oh, good about. point. Right. I see. Okay, the you pull the pin. Which then allows you to release the lever, which will then strike. Oh, it's about the lever, basically. But it's lighting a fuse. I believe so. Yeah. So when you pull the pin, yeah, yeah, because there's like that, there's the the lever on there, which you can you can hold, you can pull the pin and then hold it as long as you want, right? Right. That's what you always see in the movies, right? And then you can do that forever. Once you let it go, you can't squeeze right. it and put it back in. That would not. Right. At that point, you're right, right. you're in it. Right. At that point, the horse is out of the barn. The horse, that's right. The, the horse is out of the barn. You can't you can't put a pin in that. A striker a, and a fuse containing a primer, delay compound, and a blasting cap. Yeah. Okay. So. So yeah, it's not technically. I mean, I guess it is a. It's a fuse, not a timer, but yeah. Sure. And yeah, it, it's not a clock per se, but it's right. meant but yes. to create. Yes, correct. Time. Yeah, it does create time. Create time for it to not blow your arm off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that should probably do it for us. Um, I. I, I now I'm reading tactical applications for grenades, so I should probably, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, probably put a pin in it. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, move on. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to shut down our pod, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was saying that the Marine Corps' preferred technique, uh, the, when you throw a grenade, the, the thing that you worry about the most is them picking it up and throwing it back at you. Right. So the Marines say that they, um, they throw it and skip it, you know, you keep it low, keep it bouncing around. So it's harder to catch, you know, or pick it up. So, uh, or you can throw it hot. You can count to two or three, and then sure. It seems seems scary. seems super scary. scary. Seems like. mm-hmm. My sense of time is not reliable with a right. grenade in my hand. <laughs> right, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, no. no, no. So, I'm gonna get to half a second. I think it was <laughs> That's ten. Right. right. That's right. <laughs> Um, well, let's get rolling here. Um, that wraps it up for us. You can uh, uh, hit us up on social media until um, we, we're back with you next Monday. Uh, until then, we are on Twitter at Undebeatables. We're on Facebook.com slash TheUndebeatables. Our website is TheUndebeatables.com. There's a contact form there. You can use that to send us a message. And... Um, you send us an email. Shout out at theunbeatables.com. And um, we've got t shirts for sale on the website slash store. For the architect, Donnie Walsh. And our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Sick Leonard. Turn out the lights. The party's over. I've had uh, I've had my I'm gonna close all my grenade tabs. <laughs> Clear your browsing history. <laughs> Hopefully you're using a VPN. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what just happened? Wait, no, I always do. Why does Colson know what a VPN is? I always <laughs> use VPN when I'm doing it on the Google.
Okay, good. Good, good. That's the right thing to do. VPN and incognito yeah. mode. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> I'm not, so you guys are all hosts anyway. But. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they, they can make yeah, the connection. Not that smart. We never uh, did tap on my best idea ever, though, which was the, the uh, Venmo Tooth Fairy. That was <laughs> the best idea I've ever had. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. There's still time. Unless somebody listened to it and already made it happen. There's uh well I think what they did was the uh, uh, uh the Venmo uh sex trafficking, which is uh Oh sure, sure. Mm. If they had done all that through the tooth fairy, nobody would be in trouble. You gotta run it through there. <laughs> Stay out of prison. Just laundering money through the tooth fairy. <sighs> Do you want to attach his name to your project? Unless there's a lot of money involved. You'll sell all all types of product in Florida. I'll sell my soul for lots of money. I'll sell your soul. You can sell his soul. It's just not worth very much. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's just a bum deal for me. (laughs) It's already owned by somebody else, I think. (laughs) You can only get a partial... You know, share partial mm. partial lean on Matt Gates' soul. <laughs> Can we name the episode that? <laughs> <laughs> I recorded the. I'm uh, doing the Skype recording. That counts. <laughs> a partial lean on Matt Gates' soul. Also, a good uh, album title. <laughs> Great band name. Oh man! All right, I'm ready. Let's do it. With That's... that.